Okay, friends, y'all are not ready for this conversation with my new friend, Julie. Julie is a bit of a global nomad. As an army brat, she moved all around the US and also lived overseas. She is currently living in her fourth country and 32nd dwelling. Her home base is Long Beach, California, which is pretty much a perfect fit for someone who is completely solar powered. She's passionate about the power of business to transform the lives of people on the margins through skills development and dignified work. When she has the space to daydream, it usually involves some form of interior design or space makeover or planning what her future tiny home will look like. One thing she already is pretty sure of is that it will be on a tropical beach somewhere. And this, friends, is why we hit it off right away. This episode is long, but it covers everything from starting and running a social enterprise to beaches and the marginalized and learning to let go. It also includes a sneak peek into our ethical entrepreneurship retreat this fall that you're invited to, so stick around all the way to the end for more information on that. But for now, enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Julie. Welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, Julie. I'm so excited that you're joining me, even though it's 9 p.m. here (laughs) and 8 a.m. in Vietnam. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, um, I'm so, so glad that Jenny um, hooked us up, honestly. And besides Jenny, like, I mean, it only took like one email to be like, yeah, we're going to be friends. because <laughs> We seem to have like a lot of things in common besides Jenny. But I mean, like, we've both been to some of the same countries. You spent some time in Uganda. Um, we'll get into that. Uganda's like my second home. Um, we're both in the coffee industry now, which was like crazy to me, like, literal opposite sides of the globe and um so i mean yeah i've i've only had one conversation with you over um video chat so i mean i know a few things about you but not a ton so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and yeah give us a sense for who you are and how you fill your days yeah um yeah my name is julie schumacher i live in hanoi vietnam and I'm involved in the social enterprise, well, two actually social enterprise businesses. Uh, the first one we started was a, is a coffee business called Simple Coffee. And we are a wholesale and retail coffee business. And um, Vietnam is the second largest coffee producer in the world. So it made I did sense. not know that. Brazil is number one and Vietnam is number two. Most of what gets produced here is Robusta. So the Arabica markets uh, and uh, a growing one, but okay. <clears throat> so we're involved in Arabica. Um, and um, then the second thing that we're doing is a simple coffee shop is a training venue for young adults with intellectual disabilities. So we have another social enterprise called uh, Imago Work. Um, Imago as an image that mm. people with disabilities bear the image of God, and um, they deserve every opportunity to be a part of life. And so we are an inclusive workspace and we, we work to encourage other businesses to also become inclusive workspaces. And um, so, yeah, so it's kind of a dual uh, focused work that we're involved here. I've been here for five years. Prior to that, I lived in Cambodia for a few years. I was doing a slightly different environment work, but still social enterprise work. And uh, before that, um, really was involved in orphan care in Uganda. And where you are from the the U.S. Well, yeah, I'm from the or- U.S. I'm a army brat, so I'm not. I'm. I always say I'm from nowhere, and I'm from everywhere. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, uh, so uh, but my home base is Long Beach, California. Oh, I mean, you can't really go wrong. There. <laughs> that, anything with the beach and I'm like, why would you ever move? But like, also, I get it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm a, definitely a California girl in, uh, in heart and soul. And that's why it's a little bit hard to live in a place where the sun rarely shines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but I'm definitely fair. powered and that's a hard thing in a place where it's not, we don't get a lot of sunshine <laughs> here, but um, yeah. That's when you know you're called somewhere is when exactly. it's a place with like no sun and you're like, I've still been here for five years. Like that's more than just like, I want to live here. That's yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> There's got to be some other reason to leave Going California. To States, you kind of think you'll get that sun, but we're far, we're pretty far north. We're fairly close to the China border. If you go down south, you get the sun. Okay. Or like Thailand, Cambodia weather, but. So you still here. go south for the good weather, kind of like we do. Sure <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so like you i mean you have literally been all over the world like you said as an army brat there's a lot of moving around and i mean i think we chatted about this a bit the other day when we were talking but and i know it's a really long story and i'm always like i just want to know all the things but i mean just tell us whatever you want but i would just love to know how you got from you know, living in the U.S. to like ending up in all these places and now, you know, being in Vietnam, like how, what, what took you to those places or what kind of, like you said, a lot of the places you went, you were, you were researching social enterprise and trying to learn about that. What kind of started that fire in your heart to do that? Yeah, I would love to say it was, you know, a nice linear, well thought out <laughs> path. <clears throat> Definitely not the case. Um, the I best paths are not linear. FYI. So. I, I feel like I've always said, you know, in, in my experience, the way God has worked with me is that he lays out an opportunity before me. And if I take that step by faith, that's, I have to take that step by faith in order for him to show me the next one, you know, so it's never the next five steps. It's never even, you know, the next two steps. It's if you take this next step, then I'll show you what the next step is. And, and some of those steps can feel a little scary and sometimes you just have to do it a little bit afraid, but God has always been faithful to show me what the next step is. And even when I'm stepping and I'm standing on that stone, I'm like, I have zero idea what's next. Yeah. But I do think, you know, growing up in the military, that definitely lit something in me for um, experiencing the world. You know, we moved around a lot. We lived overseas. Um, but I was also in a world where there was a lot of different, there were a lot of pe people with different backgrounds and cultures from what I grew, what I you know, was shaped by. So, or that actually was my shaping, but um, just mm -hmm. a lot of other, you know, people from different parts of the United States, different socioeconomic backgrounds, a lot of different races, um, people that had married people from overseas. So they had intercultural marriages mm -hmm. and families. And, and then I'm just, you know, in this world of people, a lot of people who had lived overseas. So it beca became very comfortable for me to mm -hmm. be in the world and be excited about the world and um, I started traveling as a young adult um, and uh, just being exposed to people around the world, different cultures and different mm -hmm. customs and things. And, um, you know, my first forays were were more the modern world. But then I started through my church doing some short term M work. And by the way, I'm using the, the letter M because <laughs> we don't use the, the longer word of that here. Yep. Um, we're tracking. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, it, it just 
opened my eyes to a whole different realm of the international world where a majority of the world lives in, mm-hmm. in more um, difficult circumstances, more vulnerable circumstances mm-hmm. and, and uh, less opportunity. And so just kind of opened my eyes to that reality. And I began to tip in that mm-hmm. direction, taking the opportunities to go do things like that versus, you know, Europe. And there's nothing wrong with going to Europe, but, but it just did lit something in me. And, um, I, a little bit of backtracking. I have a brother who is adopted from, an, um, Asia. And I always growing up with that, I always knew I wanted to do something in the realm of adoption. I wanted to adopt. I wanted to be involved in orphan care in some way. I had mm. scoured the internet for opportunities for, you know, international opportunities to be part of an organization that was working with orphans. And through my the job that I had, um, an opportunity was just dropped in my lap. Um, hmm. We had a couple in our church that, a Ugandan couple that were taking care of a number of children back in Uganda um, whose parents had all been orphaned by AIDS. And hmm. so the pastor of our church came to me and said, I want you to meet with them and figure out how we can as a church come together to help them. And out of that, um, that we we launched an organization, a nonprofit in the states, an NGO in Uganda. And when we started, we had 27 kids. And seven years later, when I stepped out, we had 67 kids that we were taking care of. And that, even to this day, that's probably the most, um, in my mind, the most significant and meaningful work that I've ever been involved in. Wow. Um, I would love to circle back to orphan care at some point in my journey, but um, that got me um, started and thinking like one of the things that we were talking about constantly is how do we prepare these children for adulthood where they are not dependent, um, but they have been equipped with what they need to be, to, to live life and have what they need and not be cons- consistently in a vulnerable state. Yeah. With no- so the idea of vocation and um, training. We were doing a lot of vocational training back then. Now I believe the program has the kids more in university, but just right. like that equipping part in a country where there's such a high level of unemployment mm-hmm. and it's not a matter of well, go get a job. Um, yeah. You know, how do you prepare people for um, to be able to not just survive, but to thrive? So that was kind of the catalyst for me going down the pathway of how do you empower people that are on the margins through who through no fault mm-hmm. of their own selves in very vulnerable places. So after Uganda, then um, I was I got connected to some work that was going on in East uh, West Africa, sorry, in Burkina Faso, with women who young women who uh, were widowed and whose land had been stolen back by the husband's family. Right. So they were, you know, they have a family that's a subsistence culture, subsistence farmer, Mm -hmm. farming culture. So they had no way to feed their families. They had no shelter. They had kids. Mm -hmm. And what they ended up doing is turning to um, difficult means to Mm -hmm. things like that to put food in their children's mouths. And I'm like, this this, this, this isn't right. This has, there's has to be way. Yeah. There has to be a better way to provide an income, right? Like this can't be the only option. This through no fault of their own, they Mm. find themselves in this situation. And so what does it look like to not help? I hate that word, but equip them Mm. or to empower them to be able to take care of themselves. So that then led me to (laughs) 
Um, I wanted to figure out this, the, the work that we were, the work that I was associated with there, they were um, teaching the women how to weave this gorgeous cotton cloth. Burkina Faso is a cotton producing country and right. absolutely gorgeous cloth. I kept thinking that Ralph Lauren needed to find these people because that's the quality of cloth that they were doing. Wow. Um, but there was no market for it. So you've taught them a skill, you've given them mm -hmm. the loom, they have work, somebody has to buy it. So yeah. I'm like, how do you create a market in a country that is struggling um, financially? You're looking at exporting and all kinds of things. And I'm like, I am way out of my league here. I need <laughs> to figure out. <laughs> you know, you have all these lovely ideas, you know, yeah. Saturday where you're daydreaming and then you start digging in and you're like, holy cow yeah. you're I like oh this is probably why no one's doing it it's because it's super it's hard and frustrating really it's really a lot you know yeah. and so that led me to, to figure out that i needed to go learn this i needed to be on the ground somewhere to learn it and i really mm. thought it was going to be africa because that's kind of was my context <laughs> and i'm sure there would be opportunities in africa to do that but trying to find them is a little harder you know these places don't have websites like websites where you can just go and look see what job opportunities <laughs> are available in burkina faso <laughs> yeah just not not a lot popping up on that google search no. <laughs> <laughs> um so I had done a lot of work in Cambodia. Um, and so all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? There's an NGO on every corner in Cambodia. They're doing a lot of this kind of work, textile production or product production. Let me just see what we got going on there. And I actually did find an organization that was doing small business, uh, social enterprise business as a part of their overall mission, which was working with uh, victims of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And uh, or sex exploitation. Um, and so I threw caution to the wind. And at the age of 49, I quit my job and I moved to Cambodia. And <laughs> yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> Going against every, you know, norm of our culture. Um, mm. so I'm to be banking all of my retirement pay and I, you know, pack it all in, go on support and go overseas. And um, so I was running a small boutique hotel there, set it up and, and was running it. And the girl, my housekeeping staff were girls in the program. So we were training them um, to be hotel staff, which is really mm -hmm. tricky because, you know, you have girls that have been um, exploited in the sex industry and then you're teaching them to work in hotels in a city that supports sex tourism right so you know it's it was a really delicate um dance to mm -hmm. give them the skills to send them into situations that could potentially be put them back in a position of being vulnerable yeah. i mean at um, the very least be like triggering for them too like if some of those were some of the same places where they would have been exploited that to walk back in there as an employee would be i mean like simultaneously like beautiful but like extremely difficult at the same time yeah. right like right. i bet they could take one look at a situation and know immediately what was right. happening nobody right. can tell yeah. better better than they can right exactly um, wow so, that would be so challenging it's a multi multi-layered <laughs> opinion working in human human trafficking but um, I, the first year I did that, which was really good because I really wanted to understand how to do small business in a third world or developing country. It's mm -hmm. a totally different ball game. And so that first year I was working in that 
that kind of a business. The second year, I migrated to a different organization where I was learning textile production. And um, same demographic that the, that, uh, the two orgs were working with, but it just gave me kind of two, two different views on business and um, training, mm-hmm. tra- vocational training. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that second organization I ended up being with for three years. And um, just really, I just always say like that was, you know, my, my master's degree was going to Cambodia and um, just coming as a learner, you know, yep. and I had really not a whole lot to offer in those contexts. And mm-hmm. uh, I learned so much and mm-hmm. um, I learned, I learned more about what I didn't know than what, you know, it's, it was really humbling to be to have done the kind of work that I'd done in the past and then to be put in a, in a situation where like, I, there's not a whole lot that I feel like I can contribute. Like, yes, I can be administrative, mm. but I'm working with a demographic that I've not worked with before right. and real lives and real brokenness and real, mm. uh, real tragic stories mm. and <clears throat> felt very ill-equipped, but. It's like I've, that moment when you show up and you like, I literally, the only thing I have to offer is myself yeah. and my presence. And I'm not even sure if that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's sure. literally yeah. all I've got. That's literally all I've got. <laughs> but the one thing that I realized too is, you know, that is enough in a yeah. lot of ways because these women have, have just never been treated well. And so mm-hmm. when you see them and you, well, it's true of any, any of us, when you, when you, when you're seen and you're respected and you're appreciated. I think the first time that I we, I called a little staff meeting, my staff was small, called a staff meeting, ordered a pizza. We sat around on a Friday afternoon mm-hmm. and I said, okay, what do you guys think is working and what's not working? Mm-hmm. And they all just like stared at me because <laughs> like me asking their opinion on things. And I literally needed to know because it wasn't like, <laughs> yeah. being, like, I'm, yeah, a great like, I'm not flattering you here. Like, I actually need you to answer the question or else we're screwed. You need your help. Like- <laughs> you guys speak Kamai, I don't. Yeah, like they were completely blown away and they didn't want to, for the mm. first several times we did this, there was no way they were going to talk because it wasn't safe. You know, I had yep. to kind of build that rapport and, yeah. and let them know, like, if they had something negative that it was, I wasn't going to fire them or yell at them or anything like mm-hmm. that. But to this day, I'm still in contact with, most of my staff there. And when I go to Cambodia to visit, I see them. And so, yeah, sometimes love and care is enough Mm -hmm. and kind Mm -hmm. of figure, yeah, I mean, I've never opened a hotel before. There were so many times where we were scrambling behind the scenes, like the guests had no idea what was going on. Oh yeah. They're completely oblivious to like the chaos. (laughs) I'm running down the street to buy eggs because we just ran out and we've got guests sitting at the table waiting for their breakfast. (laughs) Thinking you're just in the back, like frying them up. It's going to be fun. Like, no, we're actually buying the thing to whip up. (laughs) So anyway, I'm kind of rabbit trailing, but, but Mm. it's been a slow progression of like, I'm trying to learn business and the, and I, as I'm doing this, I'm learning the value of business. I'm Mm. learning the value and the place that business has in empowering people that are on the margins. And it's not, I've kind of migrated a little bit. I don't want to step on my toes a little, from like NGO model to mm-hmm. uh, a model that is marrying these two ideas. Like NGO work is really good, but I feel like um, it, it can still keep people um, independence. Mm-hmm. And so 
trying to move them toward independence where they have control over their lives and their path and they're not vulnerable to exploitation. Yeah. And so that kind of, uh, my friends that live here knew that I was wrapping up my work with the second uh, NGO that I was working with. And, and they're like, hey, you know, we want to just invite you to come over here, help us start this coffee shop. And I had done one other coffee shop back in the States. Um, so I had a little bit of that in the background, but, mm -hmm. um, but this was an entirely different ball game trying to do it in another country and culture. Um, but then they also yeah. said they wanted to do the vocational training aspect. We hadn't nailed down yet that it would be people with intellectual disabilities, but it was going to be somehow vocational training on the margins. And so I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm coming. So that's, that was, that sounds like it checks all the boxes besides yeah. knowing what I'm doing. That's the only box that's not checked, but it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love Asia and I love living overseas. So that part was easy an easy sell. And it was a tremendous gift. Yeah. I, I love hearing just how people got to where they were because it's honestly almost every time it's like a kind of stumbling around a little bit and happening upon things and just taking the next step in a direction and being like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give it a try <laughs> and we're just yeah. going to see where it goes. And like, maybe it'll, maybe it'll bomb and maybe it won't. And it feels like you have entrepreneurship, like in your bones. Cause it feels like everywhere you go, you just start something. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> People hand me things to do. I don't know that I dream them up myself, but it's like, I'm, I'm given something to like, here, do something with it. And um, I always say I'm a better wingman than I am a starter. Like, I don't really feel like I'm a starter, but I'm a great wingman. Like, you know, you have the idea. I can kind of help make it something. But yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of times you're thrown into the deep end and you're having to do things that you don't, you know, most of the time that you don't feel equipped to do or capable of, but all of a sudden it's in your lap and you've got to figure it out. So yeah. And sometimes that's, that's honestly the best way to do it is just, it's like you just jump in with both feet and you figure it out as you go kind of, because if you wait and if, if you wait until you know exactly what you're doing, you will never do anything. You'll never do it. Yeah. Because you'll never feel like we know enough to start. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm a perfectionist. So I'm one of those people that is like, I don't want to do it if I can't do it right. And a hundred percent. So I think that's why God has worked in the way he has with me because I probably mm -hmm. would hold back and not stick my toe in the water because I would say I can't do it the way I think you want it to be done. So I won't do it at all instead of, well, I'll give it a try and, you know, we'll see if you like it. hundred <laughs> um, percent. I do. I want to talk more about this vulnerability aspect because this is one of the biggest reasons that I was, I mean, lots of reasons I was excited to have you on the podcast, but I feel like this, because um, I know you've had a lot of different experiences of working with different vulnerable populations in various capacities, like you just mentioned. Um, and yes, yeah, some of them have been directly involved or directly involving victims of human trafficking in the sex industry, but not all of them. But the key piece is the vulnerable individuals and just why is providing opportunities and, you know, things like business and safe work. Um, why is that important for vulnerable individuals? Like, um, Yeah, I, you know, I can only speak from my own heart, my own perspective. But mm. when I started encountering people that were on, that are on the margins and and beginning to understand like i said before like 
through no fault of their own, 99% of the time, <laughs> through mm -hmm. no fault of their own, they are in desperate situations or that they are powerless to change their path. Mm -hmm. And as, as much as we, as much as I complain about my life at times or things that I feel like I don't have control mm -hmm. over, I have profoundly different control over my pathways than people who are on the margins like that. And um, in general, they simply lack the opportunity or the pathway mm. to be empowered to change their path. And so like for the women in Burkina Faso, even though what's happening is wrong and there's there are laws on the books that prevent it, these women typically are uneducated and they have no money. So who are they going to hire mm -hmm. to plead their case? So- mm -hmm. Yes, there may be a, something on the book, and this is something kind of the work that IJM does, International Justice Mission. They go in mm -hmm. and help people. Okay, you have these laws. You actually need to be helping the people that are affected by these laws. Mm -hmm. So, so orphans, what, what did they do to become an orphan? They did nothing to become yeah. an orphan. It's something that happened to them. Women that are, you know, in sexploitation of some form, I think it's easy for us in the West to think of all, all of that as, human trafficking is in that somebody's been stolen and thrown into a brothel. Mm -hmm. There's so mm -hmm. many ways in which people yeah. find themselves in these situations. And it's, you know, like one of the highest demographics in uh, sex exploitation in the United States are people aging out of foster care. Mm. So then yeah. you just start realizing these people have no advocates. They have no one who mm -hmm. sees them and, and is caring about the, you know, the situations they've been handed. And I just, I guess I just always try to imagine myself in the same situation. Mm -hmm. Like, would I want someone to help me? <laughs> yeah. Would I want you to care enough to help me? You know, we used to say when I was working with the, the orphan ministry, there's so many kids, like how is 67 even a drop in the bucket? And mm. I'm like, you know what, for each one of those kids, like there's a difference being made. Their life is yeah. different. I can't yep. maybe help a million, but maybe we can help 67. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, I didn't have a huge housekeeping staff in Cambodia, but I had the ones I had yep. were safe that day. They had yep. income coming in. They had a safe place to regroup and to revision their lives. Yep. And they were gaining skills in order to move forward in a, on a different path. And so, yeah, I think creating opportunities um, coming alongside mm -hmm. people that are in a vulnerable place. And, um, you know, we're, we're not there to rescue. We're not there to help. Mm -hmm. Um, we're there mm -hmm. to empower. And like, what do they need in order for that to happen? They have dreams mm -hmm. and visions. Yeah. They, they imagine different pathways for themselves. So what does that look like? And, is there something I can do? Is there something that I can pass on? Like, is there something God's given me that he wants me to pass along? Mm -hmm. And it's like, how so, can we like remove some of those things that are barriers to them feeling like they have more choices than the ones they've been making, right? Like opportunities, choices, same thing. Right. And yeah, it's just like, like I picture like if, if me and you are like walking down a street, and we come to like, there's this giant boulder on, on your side of the street. Mm -hmm. So I can freely just keep walking, mm -hmm. but you can't walk unless that boulder is moved. So now you have to make a choice. Now you have to find a way around it 
and I don't know, maybe there's a ditch on the other side or maybe there's whatever it is, right? Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I like it's there's there's nothing I did to end up on the side of the street without the boulder and there's nothing that you did to end up on the side of the street with the boulder but if I help you just can we can move that boulder out of the way together yeah if yeah, I can no. come alongside you and just not run ahead of you like that and 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 it, it has to <clears throat> it always has to be enough to do it for one yes like it exactly. just it if it ever gets to the point where it's not enough <clears throat> for us to just get one if it's not worth it for just one then we might as well close up shop because this is like the long game this is like hard work like you know and you will always feel like you're not making a drop in the bucket but a drop in the bucket is a drop in the bucket and and to also like, like I said like if it was me if I was mm -hmm. the one would that matter yeah you would want it to be enough for the one be enough yeah you would want it to be yeah. enough that you helped me you helped that one and my life looks different because of that mm -hmm. and i think it's just it's just super easy from the west to kind of broad brush stroke the poor countries or the poor mm -hmm. demographic or that you know to kind of lump them all together when you when you start peeling back and sitting with people and hearing their stories and trying to understand how they got to this point and what things are part of the culture that led to this, that, and, and I think the other thing is too, letting them be a part of solving that problem. You know, like oh, me coming 100%. in from the West, as American, like I could come in and say, here's what we need to do. And that's what Americans do a lot. And Westerners mm -hmm. do do a lot. We come mm -hmm. in and we tell everybody, here's how it's going to look. And we got the answers. Mm -hmm. But to sit with people and try to understand, like, what what are the factors at play and get their input on what what would it look like for their life to take a different trajectory, mm. what's needed. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a messy, murky path, you know, mm -hmm. but can we start down it together? And yeah. me not be here to help you. But me just being here to, you know, come alongside and maybe resource a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's like, I think that's where the relational piece comes in. And when you, when you talk about running like a, a social enterprise um, or even business of any kind, the reason like, cause business can be run many different ways. And obviously there's a lot of business that is exploitative. Right. And, but you can, business can be done differently. And I think that's what both you and I <laughs> are very much on board for this. But I think the key to running that kind of business is the relational component, right? Like where you said, we sat down with a pizza and we actually like everyone was treated like you have something to say here. Like that's a big deal because there are a lot of if that happened in every company everywhere, we wouldn't even need to have half of these conversations. It's one of those things like that, that relational piece, I think, is so important because it it takes away that um, the like power struggle or the power differential of like, it's the same that's like, I'm here to help you as if I have nothing to learn from you. Like right. as if, exactly. as if, like where on this earth did we get that idea, right? And, right. and I think social or enterprises- you have nothing to offer yeah. me, oh you know? And it's like- Spend five minutes with someone who has less than you and you'll learn that you'll start wanting to just get rid of your stuff because you want whatever it is they have. Like it's, you exactly. know what I mean? Like the it's, most generous people on the planet are the ones oh that have gosh. for sure. And I think this is why it's like, one is not 
one is not more better than the other. Like we, we have to, we've got to come together and work together on this, like you were saying. And I think that, yeah, like, I think that's what, why social enterprise to me is so appealing as such a, as such a beautiful model of, of putting, you know, people, putting people first. Uh -huh. And, and sometimes that looks a lot, like looks really different and is really challenging. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, what are, like you've, you've seen a lot of, you've had the opportunity to see a lot more social enterprises and different, um, you know, vocational training things, all these different ways of doing um, more ethical business. You've seen all these different ways of doing that. I mean, <clears throat> for, for my own, like, please teach me all the things. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, what have you seen that, you know, that works or doesn't work or went really well or went really poorly? Like, are there things that stand out that you're like, here are some things, guys, like, I don't know everything, but I know this about social enterprise, you know, do this, don't do this. Love to hear those. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can speak from mistakes that I've made. Yeah. <laughs> um, Love that. <laughs> I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned in doing mm -hmm. social enterprise business or business for transformation is you have to take the business side seriously. Mm -hmm. It cannot be something that you're playing with. And yes, the people are the motivation. But I always say, like, which which foot are you leading with? Are you leading with your business foot? Are you leading mm -hmm. with your NGO foot? And in order to do good, sustainable business, mm -hmm. you have to do good business. Mm -hmm. You have yeah. to bring people on board who understand business and who will drive your decision making towards sound business decisions. Because mm -hmm. we got into it for the people aspect and our mm -hmm. hearts tip toward that. And it's mm -hmm. very easy then to make decisions. It's a very, very delicate dance, <laughs> but it's yeah. very easy to make decisions that feel good, but do not lead to a long-term sustainable business so that mm. this thing will still be around in five years to support the work you're doing. Yeah. And so I think it's super important that the organization, organization I worked for the first year when I started there, they had nine, nine, seven or nine social enterprise businesses to do vocational training for these girls coming out of sex, sex exploitation. Um, within just a few years, they were down to two because the person who was running the organization mm -hmm. had the, the NGO heart. Mm -hmm didn't have the business. She had good ideas, but she didn't bring people around to help her. It became an inverted pyramid. It's kind of like the whole, like, oh, for the more businesses we start, the more people we can help. But the infrastructure wasn't there. And right. it would have been, they would have been better off to do like, to start with one, like one or two businesses and like make sure they're like solid. So it's basically like a slow, slower growth kind of thing, like in that situation structure in place because depending on the demographic you're working with, these people mm. come in with a ton of brokenness. And yeah. so what kind of support in that business context are you going to provide for mm. the people you're employing or training? Um, if, if that's your model, if you're employing and training in this situation, that was the case. And, you know, there wasn't that, that, so we went from like, I'm on the street, I come into the program and now I'm an employee. There is like yeah. a huge gap that needed to be bridged with social right. work, job coaching or whatever, those kind of things. But if 
if your model is this business over here, which we're running not necessarily with employees from that demographic, but the, the proceeds and the purpose is to empower, um, right. then yeah, just have a good business plan and have people speaking into it, have mm. an advisory board. Um, if you don't want a board board, have an advisory committee yeah. um, team that-, that <laughs> I is spent like days Googling what does an advisory team do? <laughs> like literally, if you're, it depends what kind of business you're running. It's It can be very different what you're looking at for what their role is and what their compensation is and that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm I'm all for the advisory team. They kick my butt. It's, it's exactly. good for me. And, and that's, it's hard. You need to know mm -hmm. this in advance. If you're going to set up an advisory team or a board, it will be challenging, mm -hmm. but you're never going to get where you need to get without people who have different views on that pathway and challenge yeah. your views on that. In the end, you may say, no, this is where I want to go and I'll take responsibility for it. Well, you can't really, if you have a board. <laughs> so it's yeah. probably a good. With the advisory team, it's like. Team, yeah, you can do it anyway. I'm like, I'm like, basically guys, like, it's like, you give me all of like all the advice, all the information you have, all the knowledge, all the things in the end, whatever happens goes home with me, not you. Yeah. So yeah. your, your hands are clean. But like, I am here, I am here to listen and I am here to like, I do, I do want to glean, but it is like, I, you know, you're not responsible for the fate of this business. Mm -hmm. That is in the end, I will make a decision, um, you know, using all the things that you brought and that will go home with me and it will be my fault if it goes down in flames. But, um, just having, like you said that, you know, those people, because I am, yeah, I, I'm not a business mind. I'm yeah. a creative, just want to make latte art and, you know, don't even want to know how to roast coffee because it's too scientific and it just makes my head hurt. So it's I like, I don't even make good latte art. <laughs> I let my staff do that. Okay. That's, that's like the fun part. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, having, having those people around you, that's, that's like really, really good advice to focus on the business. Cause I think there is this sort of like an almost like a, a guilty thing, like from the NGOs, if you're, if you lean with it, it's this guilty thing of like, but if we're, if we're a social enterprise, like we can't make money or we can't make too much. It's this, this, like, you know, where, where we land in our, with our coffee company in, yeah. in what we're doing and how do we do business well, but also like we're working with, you know, different margins than most people and we're giving a lot of it away. So it's a like a lot of the things we do don't make business sense, but also trying to do things that make good business sense so that it's sustainable. All these things that you said. And um, I think too, when you get into the vocational training side of things where you're wanting to, which is, this is so fascinating to me because I'm probably going to send us way up on the clock on this one, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> we've always wanted is for eventually to have a brick and mortar coffee shop. That's goals. No idea when that will be, but then that would serve as a, one opportunity, hopefully of many where, where women can get job experience safe work as they're transitioning back out into um, whatever it is, whatever path they want to take as they enter into freedom, I guess. Um, so what does, like you said, like that, that transition from like, you can't just take someone and, and just put them in a job, right. And, and expect them to flourish when they're still, they're in the middle of their healing journey. There's a lot going on. You need a lot of, it has to be businesses that understand what's happening, what might trigger where there might be out situations due to trauma or things, triggers, whatever. How do you do that? Well, how have you seen that? Have you seen that done? Well, 
I can't honestly say that I've seen it done well yet. Mm-hmm. And I've only worked one time, you know, in that one context with, uh, in Cambodia with people that in the textile one, they were all together in a same safe place doing the textile stuff. And it was part of yeah. a larger CP, um, so there was a lot of infrastructure in place in that second one. And they weren't going, they, they were coming to a campus that was safe and uh, to right. do their work. Um, but the, the first one, when I first started there, they actually had a team of social workers that were um, in place. And then over time, the, that, then the model was shifted. So mm. I think that, that that was an important piece possibly mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I'm not, I wasn't the person running the NGO, but that seemed like it was an important piece to their sustainability mm-hmm. as employees. For example, like one day, um, the, one of the girls who would cook for, cook breakfast for us at the hotel, she showed up with the biggest black eye, huge bruise on her jaw, wow. bruises on her arm. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. and and they beat her up the night before. And um, so like, what do you do for these girls who are still going home to vulnerable situations? Mm. And so like, there has to be some sort of infrastructure. And I, I again, yeah. I haven't seen it done. And I think partly, quite frankly, it's because this really is a kind of a new yeah. arena where we're starting to marry these two things. And yeah. um, so it's, I think it's a work in progress to figure out what it looks like to Mary business with the, with the, um, the, the heart and soul part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. So, um, and then it's possible to also partner with other organizations that are just doing that. So you don't, right. as a, you don't have to do it all, but you hook your, you know, you hook your wagon to somebody yeah. who that's what they do and they know how to do it. And so you create yeah. these partnerships because I think when you start feeling like you have to do it all, you're going to probably fail because you can't do it all. So yeah. do, you do well find the people that are doing what they do well, and then come bring these partnerships. And, and quite frankly, I feel like that is one of the signposts of the kingdom. When we all start working together yeah. for that, instead uh. of all these little silos that are doing their own thing and mm-hmm. don't share information, don't share resources, don't share, you know, whatever that, yeah. you know, yeah, this is uh, this is actually something I'm so so excited about this. So this is a little spoiler alert for our <laughs> for our listeners. I, we've kind of put it out there on on Instagram as a like, just kind of getting a feel for who would want to come. But um, so we've we're teaming up with the Intersection, which is a fabulous organization in in BC. It's where we get all of our merch from. And anyway, um, they're just lovely. And so we're gonna we're teaming up and we're going to do a. Um, a social entrepreneurship uh, retreat Ooh. in October of this year. It all escalated very quickly. Um, but we basically were like, how do we get everyone who's like, there's so many people, especially just across Canada, I mean, across the world, but we're start with Canada. There's so many people, you know, they're struggling, they're trying to run, you know, ethical companies or they're trying to start social enterprises or they're doing that all that everyone's kind of sitting in their little pockets struggling to do their thing and it's like what if we all just got in a room together and got on the same page and like networked and learned some things like no don't have to like sell all your trade secrets but like you know you can just network and like you said hit your wagon just like figure out there's got to be ways 
to come together like we're no one is an island and no one is solving this by themselves so it's like how do we get in a room and have this conversation how do we do this vocational training thing well like let let people talk about like hey like we tried this and it did not go well and it's we've just yeah we we get really good we kind of we want to build our little empires of like but this is like my business and this is my thing and i think that's when we start getting into the like it's like not even so much i need to do everything but like i want to do everything like i want to do everything and i there's the, the need is so great and it's like yeah you know what we need each other we need we do. to do this together and we've got to start just this came up because we we ended up um we got together i had met them for the first time in real life um megan and vanessa from the intersection and then um friends of mine who live close to me also run they just started a small business they actually they spent a lot of time in cambodia together and then they came back and started a business um after that and they're just like trying to figure it out we've had so many conversations about it and just like kind of our three businesses all of us sitting we went out for coffee and just watching the difference that it made just for my friends in that like 40 minutes standing outside was freezing anyway <laughs> so, like vivid memory like like the sun was shining but it was so windy that like we were literally all freezing but we like the, the coffee shop closed on us and we anyway yeah. it was a disaster but we didn't want to leave but i like i saw like their entire like spirit was completely like transformed yeah. in that 40 minutes of just sitting with someone and being like i have no flying clue what i'm doing and someone else being like it's okay. Sometimes I don't either. But like, how can we come together and like, and support each other and, and work together in this? And I was like, that's it. Like, we need to do something because I feel like there's like, it's kind of a new thing, but there's more and more of this popping up everywhere. And why don't we put our heads together so that we can do this well? Yeah, that's and all I'm saying. <laughs> one of the things you mentioned, too, it's like, you know, maybe the, the converse side of that is people don't want to share because the fear of exposure, mm. you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I, every day, I don't know what I'm doing. I just put one foot in front of the other. And I think if you started your retreat off with, with yes. like that elephant in the room, it's like, yeah. look, we all, I don't know what I'm doing. I live in Vietnam. I yeah. am Vietnamese. I'm doing a coffee business and mm -hmm. I am doing vocational, you know, involved in vocational training with young adults with intellectual disabilities, which I've never done before. So I think like just naming that over and over and over again. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think I said this to you one other time. It's like, I believe that God is always honored when we take risks for him. Yeah. Yep. Step out into the deep water, get out of the canal, out of the deep water. Mm -hmm. And that you know, that doesn't guarantee success, but he's mm. blessed when we're looking at him saying like, I want to do this. I believe you're leading me to do this and I will trust you as I step out in that deep water. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you don't need to do your homework. Yeah. You know, you <laughs> throw caution to the wind and, you know, fly to the other side of the country. I'm like, I'm here to rescue people out of brothels, but yeah. it's, you know, that, that, that risk taking that entrepreneur, that's like, let's try it. Let's give it a try. Mm -hmm. Let's let me learn from you. Let me learn from, let's learn from each other's mistakes. Like that yes. is 99% of what we're doing is we're learning yes. from mistakes. And yes. we just sat, my business partner and I just sat with another business owner, like-minded business owner here that's, you know, 20 years out ahead of us, has multiple mm. um, 
sites for their food and beverage business. They've got catering stuff. Anyway, it was so refreshing to sit with mm. this. I really look up to and and I just wish he would come and be our business advisor because <laughs> he really thinks he really has a business mind. But to hear him say, you know, we basically we couldn't have gone one more month in the pandemic and still remained open. We would have had to close. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, here I am thinking they, I mean, I knew everybody's struggling, but I just thought they, you know, probably had different things propping them up. They Mm -hmm. didn't, they were in the same boat and they almost lost everything. Um, And, you know, we're not out of the woods business wise on that yet. None of us, but Mm. uh, just, yeah, like what you said for those three, those three women that were talking in the Mm -hmm. freezing, like what that did for your soul and your heart. You're like, oh, okay. Like, okay, we can keep leaning in because Mm -hmm. I'm hearing these stories of people who are in similar situations who have to, what do they have left? They have to just keep leaning in, you know? I feel like I want to like stand up on literally, like you said, in the first five minutes of that retreat and say like, we're just going to get something like out in the open here. Like everybody raise your hand if you don't know at all what you're doing and like, okay, perfect. Now we can like move on because we can stop pretending that we somehow magically know everything and have access to everything that we need all the time and like know like just magically know what to do all the time and 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 recognize that like it's actually this is something I'm I'm learning in my personal life as well which we will not go down that rabbit trail but <laughs> Like, it's actually a good thing like that, like God has put in us to need, Mm -hmm. right? Like to need him, but also to need each other. And this whole like individualistic, like I'm a do it by myself. And I am like the poster queen of that. Like, let me tell you. But it's like, this is not, this is not healthy. It's also not helpful. Yeah. Like I, my business would have completely been done because I would have been done had I not reached out and made first an advisory team and started asking for help and saying like I am at the end of what I know how to do yeah and I need people and this is like this is really all I want to do now is just help people be like can we stop pretending that we know what we're doing (laughs) and just be honest about this like and and you may not know what you're doing but you have things to offer and so I think that's the place where pe- we all need to realize like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. Actually, we actually said this in a meeting the other day. Like we feel like we've brought the business to the place that we know how to bring it. I don't know how to grow our business. And that's why we were reaching out. Yeah. I mean, like I have reached my capacity of what I feel like I'm capable of doing, but it doesn't mean I don't have somebody, something to offer somebody else who. Yeah questions or is just getting started or, you know, uh, so I think that's thing as, you know, I don't know if this, is this retreat for women or is it just for everybody? It's, it's for basically anyone. I mean, we're, we're focusing on like social entrepreneurs, but it's like literally anyone who, even if someone is just like, I want to know more about running a business like that, like, please come. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we don't have a ton of female examples that are way out ahead of us in, especially in the arenas that we're running in and in, in the faith-based worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we do need to hear from each other because we, we need examples of people who is like, you know, maybe you're not the example for all 
a hundred of my questions, but you're, mm. I can look to you for like a good 10 of them or 15 yeah. of them. Okay. This person has figured this thing out or is doing something that resonates with me. So let me learn yeah. from that model. This person has figured out how to work well with a, an advisory team, or this mm -hmm. person figured out the infrastructure for working with a vulnerable demographic and they're mm -hmm. actually, let me learn from them. So yeah. you're just like, you know, you're gleaning from, from other people. So yeah. So especially like you may not have a clue what you're doing mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis, but there are things that we can learn from each other. You have things to offer. Yeah. Everybody brings something to the table. And when you're at the table, everyone's on the same level, whether you've been in business for five minutes or mm -hmm. 25 years, right? Is like everybody has something to learn and everybody has something to offer. <clears throat> I, yeah, I love that. I love that you brought that up because it's not just that. I feel like I can kind of get stuck in the like, I don't know anything end of things or where I'm just like, I'm in so far over my head. I don't have a clue. Honestly, mm -hmm. again, it's that thing of like your, your presence even to sit with someone who is like struggling in business, even if you don't, even if you can't tell them how to market or how, like, you know what I mean? You're, like we said at the very beginning, your presence and showing up and sitting, taking up space with that person in, in relationship is enough. Yeah. Is enough because it's that now, now you're not alone right now. It, it's a much easier to take risks out of a space of community than it yes. is to feel yes. like you're risking it all also on your own and there's nobody there to like <laughs> help you make wise risks like there's you know yeah. like to be like wow maybe you shouldn't you know run across the world without a plan unless you're really sure jesus told you to but like but that's i think that all happens in in community with people of, of and that's you know part of what an advisory team does and part of what people who right. hold you accountable but also push you and embrace like learn to which I'm still very much learning as a perfectionist, but learning to embrace my um, my weaknesses hmm. and staffing to those, or you know, putting people on your advisory committee that mm -hmm. um, that's that can fill in those spaces because it doesn't do us any good in the long run to put put a bunch of people just like us around. Yeah. Like they <laughs> need to resonate with your vision and your mission for sure. Yeah. But um, it's something that I learned very early on, and it's hard. It's not always easy to staff to your weaknesses. But mm -hmm. when I've been in different leadership positions, recognizing, like, I know what I'm good at. Well, I think I do. Maybe I don't. But <laughs> I, I really know what I'm not good at. <laughs> yeah. Bringing together a team of people that is well-rounded and can fill in, you know, color inside the lines that they're good at. And yep. so you can make that, that you know, cohesive picture. Like we can't, we can't do it all. And to think you can, especially I think when you're directing something, leading something, owning something, yeah. you, you feel like you have to do it all. And I, you know, mm -hmm. some of that, those, those are like bonds that need to be broken. Mm -hmm. to be like, look, you know, there's things I don't know how to do and that you're better at than I am. So yeah. I need your wisdom on this. And I, you know, the buck stops with me and I have to make an informed opinion, but I need the information to make. Yeah. The and I think that like, I mean, you, and you, you've heard, I mean, there's probably, there's so many things in the news all the time about um, like organizations that have just, things have come up that they're being run like completely corruptly there's and as you know as someone who's starting to lead something like this i'm just like oh my gosh like how does one get there because i know you don't wake up one day right. like i i know 
that not one of those people started those organizations thinking it would end up there. Not one. I always just think like, how, how do, how do you, how do you get there? What do you do to ensure that you don't end up there? And if you, you need to be starting to think about that now before you end up there. And I think a big part of it is this piece of being able to recognize your weaknesses. You need to have people who will tell you the truth. Yes. Who are, like, say, you know, you like tellers around you. Yeah. Right? Even though yeah. you're like, you make me sweat. Like you <laughs> have to have them. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's that, it's that like that accountability and that just, again, like when it's, if it's relational business, it's like a whole different ball game of like, you're, if you're, everyone's coming to the table and it's not like, I don't know more than you. I just know different than you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like your skill set is in a different area and it doesn't, when you have leaders that get into space of like, I have to do everything. I have like, I'm the only one who knows how to do anything. Like I have to, then you, you, it just, I don't know. It gets, that's, that's the only thing I can imagine that that somehow gets to that point where then you're hearing about it in the news. And it's just so sad to me. Cause it's like, I know they didn't start out wanting to be that way, but it's like, how do we as business owners and, you know, people who are, if, if we're really, you know, running our businesses and putting people first, what does that look like for us to to be really like where are the spaces we're going with our stuff <laughs> so that our stuff doesn't get in the way of a good thing, right? Like <laughs> and, and continuing to lay it before the Lord at all times because it's so easy <laughs> for us to think we know what we know. But how many times have we known what we know and then oh, we find gosh. out it's a little bit, you know, <clears throat> or, you know, our thoughts or feelings or convictions on something have changed. So I think it's mm-hmm. just constantly is this what you still want me to be doing? Like God entrusts us with these things. Like he gives us a vision. Mm-hmm. He gives us a, the heart for something. And then he gifts us with, with skills and abilities and vocations that he wants to use to build his kingdom. Yeah. But it constantly has to be laid before him because we're, you know, we're sinful people and our own yeah. agendas get in the way and our egos and our whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm not saying that I do this well. I'm just saying like, it's a constant <laughs> reminder to none of us do <laughs> putting this stuff back on the altar and saying like, at the end yeah. of the day, this is yours. You know, the Lord giveth, yeah. the Lord away. Like it, if this is something, if this has strayed from the path that you wanted it to be on, like as painful as it would be mm. take it away. And um, yeah, so I think it's just returning to those basics of like, who am I before the Lord disciple? I'm a sent one and I need to be representing the one who sent me and all things that I do. And so, you know, I think it's, it's that, yeah, that, that fine line where I find where I'm like, okay, I'm like, no, like this, this business, like this will not become my identity. Yeah. <laughs> and then before you know it, it's like if I ever like when I start to feel like anxious about it or I'm like mm-hmm. stressing or I'm up at night and I'm like, this has become about you. Yeah. And this has become about you feeling like you need to hold this together. And yes, there is a responsibility to steward things well. And but there is there's a point where like I have to continually be like this, like, Lord, this is yours. Yeah. This is not mine. So this is yours. So also this enormous problem right now. Yes. Yours. Also, yes. Yours. Exactly. So like you're going to have to, you're going to have to show up yeah, and you're going to have to show me. And there is that very much like, like you said, like if you want to take it away, like if you want to turn this 180 degrees in a completely different direction, as much as that might make me want to throw up a little, like I know, right? it's yours. So yeah. 
and that's you're right like that's the thing is if if i if we stop listening to that that still small voice of like which direction to go it becomes about us and then every decision we make it just it's a, that sends us down a a path <laughs> of its own you know triggered a, a reminder that and i've used this many times and i'm glad i kind of cycled back to it one of my mm. pastor friends in in previous life um <clears throat> used to say if if you find yourself becoming anxious about it it's becoming an idol and that is something that i circle back to all the time it's oh not that's that, so good anxiety like you know you have you start where you start and you have to like scripture tells us what to do with anxious thoughts you know we go back to the lord but but it was such a good reminder of how a good thing can become something that's not good. It can become an mm -hmm. idol. And as you said, like your reputation's wrapped up, your identity. Like every time I go through customs in the U.S. and the guy's like, well, what are you doing in Vietnam? Like I love saying, oh, I own a coffee shop there because people are always like, oh, wow, really? You do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I realized, you know what? I've just left out like the most important part of it. Like we're doing vocational training for young adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's so easy, it's so easy to have these things get out of whack mm -hmm. um, and to that that worry and anxiety and things. It's like you got to kind of figure out like what what's the root of my anxiety right now? It's because yeah. this thing's becoming an idol for me and I want to yeah. prop it up. I want it to stay propped yeah. up. Because if it falls down, it like it's, now I have failed as a reflection of me yes. and it's going to be like, you know, I failed. Yeah. Which yes. is like, even if you have, so what? Like, yeah. you're, you know what I mean? Like, how is that the worst thing that could happen? And, there and are it no actually gear. isn't about you. So please, <laughs> again, like if if you're waiting for the guarantee that this is all gonna work, like oh. you'll never do anything. But yeah, you know, we who who could see a pandemic coming, right? Yeah. We were only yeah. a year and a half into business, very much in the startup phase mm -hmm. when with the pandemic hit and, and because of the location that I'm in, the way that it was handled um, was very, very strict, very yeah. strict. And so we have, we have been battered and beaten and mm. gone around the roller coaster curve. Um, and there are no guarantees. I mean, yeah. a month from now, things, we don't know. We just yeah. have to keep swimming, just keep swimming, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And it's that thing that like where you, you, there is a, a huge trust element in it, right? Where yeah. it's like, look, yeah. you're either, you're going to, you're either going to show me a way through or, yeah. or a way out or, a, or a different way. Like it's going to, yeah. or it's going to look completely different. Like sometimes I think we, we do tend to, because we get wrapped up in our stuff, we hang on to things like, and, and then we're like, our fists are, are clenched around this thing. And the Lord's like, my gosh, like, I'd really love to give you a new thing but you mm -hmm. got to drop the old one. And that's yeah. like, and it's like, it is not always the worst thing for right. something to die or something to end or something to close. And it is, it's sad because there's a lot of things that are attached to those things and we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into them. But it's like, the Lord is like, if you could just trust me, mm -hmm. like if I, if I say to let go of that, like you would not believe what I'm about to place into your hands, but there's no space for it because you're hanging on so tightly to the other thing that I can't actually give you the next thing. And I think about that also all the time when I feel like everything is going to fall down around me. I'm like, okay, but it's okay because like maybe there's another thing that's coming, but it, yeah. I, Can I, I share a little, a little story yes. about that? 
Yes, so, I love that. Um, the organization that I was working with in Uganda with the, the children orphaned by AIDS, I would never have walked away from that on my own. Never, ever, ever. I was so committed to those kids. Mm -hmm. There was a series of things that happened where I felt like I needed to, you know, I needed to part company with the, with the org. And um, it was a year process for me to come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I finally uh, resigned. And I, it was because of that, because I opened my hands and let go of that. And I was holding on so tight because there was no way I was going to abandon these kids and this work. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I would not be where I am right now if I had not <laughs> let go of that because yeah. it was not very long after that, like within a few months, actually June to September, September. So I, I stopped in June and in September, I applied for the position in Cambodia hmm. which on this whole different trajectory that you got the, the work in Uganda is a part of, it was a catalyst. Mm -hmm. It was foundational, but I did not have open hands to receive the next thing <laughs> because I was yeah. holding on too tight to the other thing. So, and, and God's timing is perfect. And, and so I, I totally trust that, but that's just an anecdotal amen. Yeah. And yep. I would not be sitting here right now yep. if I had not had to let go yep. of something that was very precious to me. And mm -hmm. I never dreamed that I would ever walk away from. And it yep. felt at the time like a bit of a failure, like mm -hmm. I had worked through a situation that needed to, to be rectified. But um, in, in the long run, it was, I was being released from something to something. Mm -hmm. And the only problem is that we never get told what the thing is we're being exactly. released to until we release the other thing. So you end up, you have to sit in this like very weird space of, of the, uh, called the unknown and none yeah. of us really like it there. So and it's I think very that's what holds us back. Yeah. 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 It's a season of real disorientation, but I think then God, you know, I, there's probably a lot of things that had to get knocked out of me to mm -hmm. reshaped in me to be ready for the next thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was really important that it happened the way that it did. And, um, you know, would I want to do it again? No, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> look back and say, like, when, when God releases you from something and it's painful, like there's something else coming. Mm -hmm. He's not, he, he has a vested interest in moving you on to the next thing and not just yeah. leaving you stagnant hanging. It's just, do we trust him in that process? Are we going to turn yeah. and get back? Yeah. I feel like we could do like a, an entire episode on just stories of where we like had to let go of something to get something else. <laughs> I feel like that could be a, an entire episode on its own, but um, we just have a couple more, couple more questions. I feel like we could go on forever, but I feel like this would be like the longest podcast episode that we have ever had, which I love so much. So don't, yeah, don't, don't stop. Um, but I do, I do want to know what is um, something, just one thing that you have learned about, um, I mean, I guess we've talked about so many things like human trafficking, like vulnerable people on the margins that you would want people to know or understand. Yeah. Probably cycling back to something I said earlier, like mm. we can't come into this work with the idea that we're here to help. Mm. That we have the answers. We're here to fix. We just have to show up, be a part of their story and come alongside 
You know, one of my one of my friends used to always say, you know, you're not there to fix the problem. You're there to carry your end of the stretcher. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Right. Write that down. OK. <laughs> so, and yes. once once and it was in relationship to a situation I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell this mm. person. This problem is so huge and I'm so out of my league. And mm. um, and he said, you just have to show up and carry your into the stretcher, you know, be Job's friends who sat with mm. silence and wept with him, you know. And mm. and I mean, I think anybody that gets into this kind of work wants to help. And it's I don't mm. want to say that it's that's a wrong motive. It's just more like have a humble heart. Like these people mm. have so much to offer and they're created in God's image and they are in the place they are through no fault of their own. It could be mm. you. It could mm -hmm. be you. If you had not been born in the country you were, into the family you were, into the whatever. And and it mm. might be you if you're listening to this and you that is part of your story. Like then mm -hmm. you know that things happen to you that are out of your control. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, you know, I, I remember um being in church one Sunday in Cambodia and there was a, a brand new person. They always introduced the new people. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the person stood up. You're supposed to like, what are you doing there? Where are you from? What are you doing there? Whatever. What work are you working with? And the person stood up and said their name, where they're from, and that they were here to rescue women out of human trafficking. And I just remember thinking like, well, good luck with that. Like, yeah. you <laughs> You're like, and how's that going for you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, are you willing to sweep the floors? Are you willing to fold these women's laundry? Are you willing mm. to kitchen in a hundred degree heat, making their food. Like, like it's not about going in and rescuing, like very few people get to go in and do that work, you yeah. know? So, and I appreciate the heart of that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm not trying to, we all start somewhere. <laughs> we all start somewhere, but it's, you know, it's just recognizing that number one, you don't have a clue what these people, what people are coming, their story, not these people, what mm -hmm. the people that you you're working with you know, sit with them, learn their stories, humanize mm. them. Don't, don't be there to mm. fix a problem. Yeah. They're people that have things that are part of their story that are just mm. so important. And so, I mean, that sounds a little preachy and I don't mean it to you. These are things I've learned. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, not, but this is, this is the not. point of this question is like, yeah. it's this, like, if we could just get this, this aspect of it, like this is, if you forget everything else from the podcast, like, this is like a thing to think about. Start with your own heart yeah. <laughs> and and be like, just know that you need to enter into everything with an extreme amount of humility, as we should in all areas of our lives anyway. So it's just a generally good thing to practice. But I always think too, like, don't, don't how I say this to myself sometimes, <laughs> don't help if you would not be willing to be helped yeah. by the same person. So don't like just, you're honestly don't do it don't do it and and picture yourself at a round table with the people that you're oh, yes it's it's not a top down it's not a i'm here to give it's you're at a round table you have one seat at the round table mm -hmm. and everyone at that table is equal mm -hmm. and so what 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 is it that like we said earlier like what do you have what do you have to offer Mm -hmm. Keep it in the, what you have to offer, but they have things to offer as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like every day we learn stuff from our students that we're working from that have intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. You know, one of, one of our students is a savant. Like he remembers numbers. He, like if you say like, what day is July 2nd, 
1978, Thursday. <laughs> you know, you're like, that's so, insane. I, mean, I don't even remember what yesterday was. <laughs> so you just, you know, you don't know what the hidden gems are in the people that. Mm. Oh, I love that. The hidden gems. <gasps> you know. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's so good. I like, I honestly have goosebumps. Like the, the table is such a huge thing for me. So every time it comes up, I just, anyway. I just get shivers because I think yeah. it's, I think it's so important. Um, how can, uh, how can people get in touch with you or the, how can they learn about the, um, which is called simple coffee, correct? Simple coffee, yeah. yeah. Where can they kind of find you your, wherever you would like to be found? Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, probably the easiest way, I think it's imagowork.vn. I should know that. I you know can send it to me and we'll just put it in the I show will. notes. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the links for our websites and I can send you my email address. But yeah, and and you know, I I welcome any um dialogue with people who mm -hmm. are being resonated or you know, you disagreed mm -hmm. with anything. Like I welcome the dialogue. I, I love the dialogue. I, I think mm -hmm. it's where the best the best work happens is around yeah. that round where you're just like you know, there's a give and take of, of ideas and exchanges. And um, so, yeah, if there's anybody out there that wants an internship and, you know, business for transformation coffee, or that if you have a background in special education and you want to mm. use it in a cross-cultural context, but you're not really sure. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's one of my passions too, is creating opportunities for people to test the waters. Yes. Um, because it may feel like a humongous commitment to say yes. But mm -hmm. if you could go for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or, you know, mm -hmm. like um, that would help, you know, whether this is really what you're being called to do. And mm -hmm. so uh, I'm, I'm all about those internships for testing the waters to see if this is and, yeah. and or if you're like, I've never I actually had a conversation with somebody who ended up on the field who said, I, I never knew that God could use my business degree. Hmm. Oh, like, rocket science to come her. sit next to me like i can use all the people with the business degrees let's be yeah, honest exactly. like we need you people who yeah. have a heart for the world who love jesus and who yeah. want to use the way god has made you i'm all yeah. about vocational calling like yes how are you wired that's the yeah. way god wants to use you to build his kingdom yeah. so you don't have to go to seminary you don't have to go figure out like put on some other hat and then mm -hmm. go you can just be who you are and serve him that way there's just there's so many opportunities out there and we just want people to know about them yeah. you can't can't do anything about it if you don't know so there you well, go really cool place shameless yeah <laughs> we'll let you go down where the sun is for a weekend if you come yeah 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 <laughs> i know i know I, not everybody is like me that you know is like completely solar powered but it's, it's oh a very, i it's a I, cool city even though the sun doesn't shine a whole mm -hmm. lot it's like Seattle. Say, think Seattle. Yeah, there you go. Just, just, yeah, it's That's great. Just a longer but... plane ride. It's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I'm so grateful that you did this. We do have one last question that we ask everyone that is slightly, it's related to coffee. So it's fine. Okay. Um, basically, we just want to know if you could have your coffee or beverage of choice. I assume you're a coffee drinker. Maybe that's the wrong thing to assume that you, if you own a coffee shop, you're not a coffee drinker, but, or beverage of choice, what would you be drinking with who and where? Okay. Um, well, I would probably drink one of our iced 
vanilla lattes made with almond milk, um, which is really, really good. Very nice. Of course, be on a beach. Um, Vietnam has some extraordinary world-class beaches, so I probably go down to one of the. I'll ones. be right there. <laughs> Seriously, come. You're welcome anytime, oh and then gosh. we can have that really, really long conversation. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the one that's you know three times this length. It's fine. Yeah, there's yeah. Well, all I'm of you not- listeners. You're welcome. That you're not getting the four hour hour version. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so on a on a beach here, I don't need to go to Thailand or anything else because we have <sighs> we have gorgeous beaches, um, and you know this is kind of a random thing, but I just read this article about a woman down in Saigon who's in her fifties and she has not two pennies to rub together, but she has started taking in children orphaned babies mostly babies orphaned because of disabilities and wow. she um ha- i mean she just basically her her whole philosophy is these are children that deserve to be loved and cared for so she's in a, what what wow. more do i need to do than love them feed them diaper them and hold them and mm. um and she has volunteers i don't know how she makes ends meet at, at all but mm. i as i was reading this article and looking at the pictures i was literally weeping Mm-hmm. And I want to sit with that woman. Number one, she probably needs a break. So put her on the beach <laughs> with me with the beverage of her choice. <laughs> yes. Maybe after um, she's taken a nap. But yeah. just like, how oh, did you come to the place where this is who you are and this is what you've dedicated your life to? Mm. She's- and to be so willing again, literally, yeah. this is someone who is not waiting to know everything or to know how it's all going to work out or how it's all going to be financed apparently right. for that matter. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like getting to that point, like yeah. where, where you are like, I see this thing and I can't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how it's going to work, but I can't do nothing. Do like nothing, I yeah. have to do something. It just feels like she has that. Oh, yes. can I come have coffee with her too? <laughs> oh, yes. On the beach. That On I the just beach. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I hope that happens. That, Wow. I don't even yeah. know how to find her. I'm sure if I went down to Saigon and, and started asking around, I, I bet her. people would know because who she, she is. She just has her house and she has some friends who come in now and volunteer, but she has, she literally has no income and mm. it's just scooping up. And actually now people know about her and they're starting to drop off babies, but all these babies have yeah. some, some disability and no. um, they're like, what? She will receive her crown and glory for sure. Yeah. If anyone <laughs> needs people to come alongside, that there's a woman that could use some yeah. people coming alongside. Come hold babies, love on babies, you know, kiss them and yeah. Oh my gosh. How mouth, hard but... can it be, right? Right. <laughs> That's how it starts. Then you get in and you're like, apparently very hard. Apparently, very, 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 very hard. Very hard. <laughs> but God, God calls us to care for the orphans and the widows. So mm-hmm. I believe he has got his hand on her oh, and she was 100%. said yes. And so yeah. he will, he will meet her in her needs, whether she's yeah. a believer or not, you know? Yeah. Oh, hundred so. percent. Yeah. Well, this has been so fabulous, it Julie, honestly, it doesn't Thank even feel so. like it's almost midnight. <laughs> I'm, I'm so encouraged. I know that our listeners are going to be really encouraged as well and just fascinated. And yes. you have much to bring to the table and you have brought much to the table today. And I'm, yeah, I'm so grateful for you. Thanks so much for being here. With well, us come today. over and visit us and see what we're doing over here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, yes. Okay. I have a guest room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's really hard to say no. <laughs> 
Wow, I am pretty sure that you're just as glad to have met Julie as I am. And as you heard us talk about in the podcast, we are hosting, along with The Intersection, the first ever Ethical Entrepreneurship Summit right here in Ontario. So if you are an entrepreneur, seasoned business owner, or simply someone who has a heart for transforming the world through ethical business in Canada, this is for you. So if this interests you at all, send us an email at wildgingercoffee at gmail.com so that we can get you all the information once it is available. As always, rate, review, share this podcast, buy some coffee, make a difference right where you are today. We will see you next month for our first episode in our summer story series. Guys, you do not want to miss this. It is so, so good. So make sure you subscribe, follow, set an alarm for June 1st, whatever you got to do, because this is going to be life-changing. We'll see you then.